World War II had a huge impact on women's fashion, which might not be expected. Because of the rationing of materials, it meant hemlines rose to save fabric and new materials were being used. Women and designers made do with what they had, creating a more simple and classic era. Clothes started to resemble the military and show the importance of war. More patriotic and one could say drab colors came into fashion, like Air Force Blue, Cadet Blue, Flag Red, Browns, Blacks, Greens, Tans, and Gray Flannel. They called this war-wise dressing. Nylon and wool were both needed by the military, and Japanese silk was banned in the U.S. after the attack on Pearl Harbor. So a new synthetic material called rayon was created in the 1930s and became fairly popular. Meanwhile, by 1941, Britain was under attack by Nazis, which resulted in clothing rations and coupons. Adults received 66 coupons a year, but that had been reduced to 36 by 1945. Considering supplies were low and prices were high, many governments put a restriction on anything the military needed. Another tie-in with the war and fashion. As London was bombed, people feared the gas attack Germany had used against the Allied forces in World War I. So an English man named Harvey Nichols came up with a gas protection jumpsuit made of pure oiled silk that came in a variety of colors. Many women owned a utility jumpsuit like this that they could quickly slip on when the sirens went off. This new invention created comfort, convenience, and protection. Paris lost its lead role in fashion at the time. Some couture houses that were still open gained much disapproval. They hadn't changed their style, still using excessive fabrics, pointless draping, non-functional buttons, pocket flaps, stolen sleeves, and cuffs. People resented that some of the top designers had seemed to work with occupational forces. Famous French designer Coco Chanel closed down her studio during the war, but still received criticism for associating with a Nazi official. At this time, there was also something called Le Théâtre de la Mode, which had 200 two-foot dolls designed in Parisian clothing. Clearly, the French did not care what other people thought during this time, because they continued with the fashion that they were so accustomed to. With all of the hardships of war and general disapproval of Paris, fashion moved to New York with a more American look. Claire McArdle made do with materials not needed by the military, like jersey, cotton denim, gingham, stripped mattress ticking, and calico, and that war-wise dressing look took over the fashion industry. Rayon was high in demand because of its versatileness. It didn't shrink or crease, and it could be produced in heavy or lightweights. With the L85 order, it specified how much fabric could be used to create a garment, so hemlines rose. This order also restricted the amount of pleats and trimmings, as well as zippers and buttons. Those had to be useful, not for decoration. With less fabric, that meant lean styles in narrow hip lines and a trim overall appearance. So, while short and boxy was necessary, it was also very in style. As sequins were very unnecessary for the war, they brought a little bit of glam to everyday clothing, giving women the glamorous Hollywood look they admired. With the shorter hemlines, it put an emphasis on women's legs. The famous pinup of Betty Grable in a swimsuit looking over her shoulder expressed the newfound appreciation for legs, other than walking, of course. Hair was worn long, curled at the ends with a softer, more feminine look. Salons were very expensive, so most women didn't get their hair cut often. Women who had enlisted in the military <clears throat> or took factory jobs had their hair pulled back for safety reasons, but with longer hair, it was easier to put up than they could take their hair down in a more casual environment. 
girdles were out considering that rubber was needed for the war effort, so waistlines were often cinched and adjustable, but it wasn't difficult to be thin with the rationing of food. With swimsuits, the fabric flap that covered the bottom had been taken away and bare midriffs came into play, as well, which came to the creation of bikinis in 1946. Shoe heels were lower at the time, which brought forth the creation of wedge shoes. However, most women wore flat-heeled shoes to work for comfort, and T-straps and open-toed shoes were a great style and saved on shoe leather, too. Pants became very popular after Katherine Hepburn's debut in a Hollywood movie wearing wide-legged pants, which encouraged women to wear them, too, for more casual occasions and for comfort during house and yard work. Stockings had been made out of nylon, but when the military began using nylon, women started to put tan makeup on their legs and drew lines on the backs to recreate the look of seams. Shoulder pads also became popular. They highlighted the masculine form, but also added to the slim silhouette. The whole fashion era was based solely around the military and making the best out of what little they had. But even once the war ended, this mindset hadn't yet been changed because clothing restrictions stuck around for a while longer as the economy healed. At least the mindset hadn't changed until Christian Dior came around and created a new look February of 1947. It was everything women had been denied for so long and missed throughout the years. Long hemlines came back with extra fabric and tight-nipped waistlines, and wide hats creating a beautiful hourglass figure. There was much controversy at at first because it was completely different and far more dramatic than they had been used to, but of course it won out. Women had grown tired of the restrictions and could finally be creative with their clothes again.